The new evangelization calls Catholics to be evangelized and then to go forth to proclaim the gospel. This call most certainly applies to all Catholics, but how it applies to Hispanic Catholics, who make up almost half the Catholic population in the United States, deserves our particular attention. Join us today as we explore the gifts Hispanic Catholics bring to the new evangelization and the challenges they face with the Most Reverend Jose Gomez, Archbishop of Los Angeles. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University Presents. I'm your host, Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Today we'll be talking about Hispanic Catholics and the new evangelization. I'm joined here in our studios in Steubenville, Ohio with our regular panelist, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematic Theology here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and Dr. Scott Hahn, the Father Michael Scanlon Chair in Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and our very special guest, uh, Archbishop Gomez, uh, the Archbishop of Los Angeles, the first Archbishop who is Hispanic in Los Angeles. Uh, you've also served in numerous capacities on Hispanic boards and commissions. Pope Benedict XVI has appointed you to the Commission on uh, Latin America, and you were also uh, named uh, the, uh, a member of the Special Council for the Americas uh, for the Synod of Bishops. So welcome to the program and welcome to Steubenville, Ohio again. Sure. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is yeah. wonderful. Well, we'll be spending some time talking about Hispanics and Hispanic Catholics in general, uh, but I wanted to first get your reactions to when Pope Francis was named, uh, particularly in light of the fact that, that he was from Argentina. Sure. Well, uh, I was very happy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a. Uh, it is a. Uh, it is the first pope from from the American continent. That's right. So I think it is. Uh, is, is very important for all of us uh, Catholics in this continent, and especially for the uh, uh, people from Latin America, because he's originally from Argentina. Right. And uh, uh, I think it is time for all of us to really feel the responsibility of the church. Yes. Uh, it was great because um, uh, um, when I got the news. Uh, first of all, we saw the white smoke, so <laughs> I said, I gotta say Mass at the Cathedral. That's right. Because in, in Los Angeles, it was the white smoke. Uh, we learned about it uh, like at 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. So we had a 12 noon Mass at the Cathedral, so I said, I gotta go there and offer uh, mass for the Holy Family. Yeah. But I didn't know who he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, obviously you didn't have a hand in the choice because <laughs> you're not yet a cardinal, but uh, it must have been a crowning achievement uh, for you because uh, you've devoted so much of your ministry to uh, promoting Hispanic uh, Catholics. You must have been astonished that <laughs> one of your own uh, had risen right to the top. Right, right. Yeah. As I said, I didn't know he, who he was, so just before the homily, they gave me the name, and I said, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because right. it was a surprise that it was somebody from Latin America. Right. Uh, uh, and they, they, I asked them to double check because well, the media was there, so I didn't want to you know, make a mistake and right. say the wrong name. Yeah. So, so You've gotten to know him since his inauguration, too. I mean, oh, it yes. must be an exciting prospect to coordinate all these efforts 
for the new evangelization and especially for Hispanic Catholics. Yes. Well, actually, I met him superficially in one of those meetings on the Pontifical Council okay. for Latin America. Oh, sure. uh, but then I had the blessing just last month, uh, in the month of April, to uh, um, uh, go to Rome for a pilgrimage. Yes. And. Uh, uh, and uh, I was invited to go celebrate with the Holy Father. Oh, how wonderful. So it was a beautiful, beautiful... Of course, he's not entirely Hispanic, right? His parents are, are Italian, plus he's a Jesuit. Uh, did that give you pause? <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> comment? <laughs> no, I was very happy and, yeah. because I knew him, and, uh, and it is true that uh, he's, he's an immigrant, which is another blessing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to show that uh, uh, the importance of... Uh, uh, of uh, how to uh, um, value the immigrants right. in our country and, right. and all over the world. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, well, are you an immigrant, uh, Archbishop? I mean, you're from two different worlds, right? right. Your mother was born in Texas and your right. father in Monterey, Mexico. So That's correct. You're sort of well. A we are not sure. I'm not sure when my mother was born uh, <laughs> because uh, I, uh, uh, her mother, my grandmother, uh, was from San, from San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. Her whole family was in San Antonio, but I think my mother was born in Mexico. I see. But we don't have yeah. a birth certificate. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. But you're citizens of both. Of the borders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, 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 you do have your feet uh, firmly planted on, on both sides of it. You grew Absolutely. up in Mexico. I, I did. Yeah. So yeah. you are, you know, both both a citizen but also yeah. an immigrant in some ways. That's correct. Too. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I am. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I know it's probably too early, but what, what do you think? Uh, I mean, we kind of mentioned it, but what, what do you think this means uh, with a, a Latin American uh, pope for Hispanics? What what does that lead us potentially forward with? Well, uh, I think I think obviously everybody is very happy yeah. uh, because we see that uh, that uh, our um, um, Way of worshiping and and living our faith now is uh, is kind of validated in the church. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, the church is a universal church, so every single culture, every single way of uh, of uh, uh, spirituality and and worshiping God is perfectly valid. But I, I think uh, uh, it is important for us to understand the the depth of the evangelization in, in Latin America. Yeah. Right. Uh, and sometimes we are not aware of that right. here in this yeah. country. In our country. Well, well, I, I, think the, I think that the, um, the Hispanic population has been shaped by the Catholic faith more than the North Americans have been shaped by Protestantism. And yet at the same time, I suspect that secularization has probably advanced so much in South America and in yeah. Central America yeah. that this is going to be a much needed reinforcement to kind of renew that Catholic identity for Hispanic Catholics yeah. all over. Absolutely. Uh, I, my hope is that the uh, that, that what happened in Poland with Blessed John Paul II is going to happen in the whole. To renew. Uh, but, I, but I think Scott has a point. The leveling effects of uh, secularization have, right. have sort of emulsified of all people, so, so that we're almost indistinguishable. Is that your sense? Or does something distinctive survive about being Catholic in an Hispanic idiom? Mm. Well, I, I, I think it is clear that uh, the uh, process of secularization and the separation of church and state started in Latin America in the, 18, in the 1800s right. yeah. uh, with the, uh, the um, reforms that happened over, over there in, in Mexico and all the countries of Latin America as a consequence of the French Revolution. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, uh, um, and that has helped Latinos 
to uh, maintain their faith even if the uh, society is not uh, um, um, a welcoming society. Like in the case of Mexico, I grew up in Mexico and, and there was a total separation be between the church and the state. Yeah. Right. To the point that the church was not, not existent yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a civil way. Yeah. So there was no, no recognition of the church. Even though 90% or more yeah. of Mexico was Catholic. Right. Exactly. But the there was an antithesis party. to the, the whole government was working against. Uh, That's correct. Trying to undermine well, it. Well, even in that sense, we, the <coughs> Latinos know how to uh, huh. uh, persevere and right, right. be Catholic. More than just in a, yeah, the Cristero right. movement, I, I think, would right. not have been necessary in, in the states north of Mexico. And, and I suppose even the, the militant uh, uh, ideologues who were persecuting the church were for the most part baptized Catholics, but apostates. Were. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes. And, and so maybe I've always heard that we're almost half of the uh, Catholic population in the U.S. is Hispanic. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I think some statistics talks about that, uh, especially uh, the younger generation, yes. yeah. the uh, uh, Catholics younger than 25 years old, 50% uh, or more are or Hispanic origin. Amazing. Amazing. And, and most of them are members of your archdiocese. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that is true. I mean, isn't LA the largest archdiocese in it the is. country? It yeah. is. We have uh, only five million Catholics. Only five yeah. million. Are, do you intend to meet all of them? <laughs> <laughs> he has. What do you mean in the future? <laughs> I hope well, so. <laughs> what would you say, I mean, we've, we've talked a little bit about it, what would you say that the state is, if you will, or the status of Hispanic Catholics in America? What would, what would you, how would you describe well, I, the population? Well, uh, I think they are, they are eager to, um, uh, to live their faith in their, in, in their uh, ordinary life. Okay. Uh, I think they, 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 they feel that they can participate actively with the values that come from our culture, mm. um, we just need to be more welcoming to them. Okay. And I think the bishops of the United States since the 40s have tried to do that. It's just a different process because there are two different cultures. And sometimes little things like in, in our parishes here in the United States, we have to register. Yeah. And Latinos are not used to registering <laughs> their parishes. Right, right. So they feel a little obstacle to be more active in their parishes. You know, when tens of thousands of people immigrate to a new country, they've got to be enculturated. That's correct. But when millions immigrate, we need to be enculturated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There really is a sense in which we have to not just welcome, but then also be willing to have this assimilation go in both directions. And, and, to, and to discern the, the unique spirit of Hispanic Catholicism because it is so distinctly different yeah. in many levels. Yeah. And so to, to, to experience fraternity, to collaborate in the new evangelization, right. calls for a, a series of encounters where we really get to know each other, right. understand each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody, somebody said that uh, in, in the North American ethic, uh, the center is the individual in, in a sort of Puritan, Presbyterian culture. The centerpiece is the atomized individual. But in Hispanic morals, it's the family. That's right. the protagonist of, of the culture. Absolutely. And that has a lot to offer, I think, the rest of us. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. It's, it's the, the, uh, the community, the relationships, that's what is more important for people, not the, not the individual. Right. In yeah. the same and sense. Not, that not just the nuclear family either, but an extended right, right. family. Yeah. 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 yeah, because we have the extended family. <laughs> How many cousins do you have? 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Too many. Count, uh, Get your calculator. But on either side of the border, right? That's family, correct. Friends. Yes, I have a lot of yeah. uh, wonderful uh, um, yeah. members of my family that yeah. live in, in Texas. Yeah. Well, and, and it sounds like because my my uh, my grandparents came from Ireland, and and many you know many Catholic countries emigrated here. But and it sounds like it's not just the the sheer quantity that the the. the Millions that have come, uh, but there's a wholly different culture. There's a, there's there's much more a value that is beautiful. There are some right. some great great yep. right. challenges. Yep. Are, how how different is uh, um, Hispanic, you know, Catholic versus the Irish who would have came or the Italians who would have come? Is it simply just an ethnic difference, or is there something substantially new? Uh, in that? No, I think it's similar because the values are the same. Okay. You know, faith, yeah. family, uh, um, solidarity, community. Um, yeah. I think the values are the same, but the way to uh, express those things are different. Yeah. Uh, I think even between the Irish and the Italians or the Germans that came in, in the 1800s and early 1900s, there are differences, cultural differences, but somehow, if, if as Scott was saying, we, we, uh, we uh, open ourselves to those different manifestations, cultural manifestations, then we form the family of God, which yeah. is the God right, of right, 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 yeah. Right. Been and I was, I was thinking that my family first came to uh, what is now Texas in 1805. It was I still Spain at that right, time, because right, the borders yeah. were not as rigid as they are now. Yeah. So uh, uh, the Latinos have been in this country since the very beginning. Right. Well, you make the point, I think, in, a, in an interview that uh, even before George Washington was right. born, uh, Hispanics were preaching the gospel in Texas right. and celebrating mass. Right. So you guys founded uh, this country. Right. Yeah. So you probably will take it over. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to your point, I, I think it's important to really uh, open ourselves to different manifestations of cultural manifestations or religious manifestations that we can really be part of the universal church. Yeah, yeah. And I think the differences are not that important. What is right. important is our faith. Right. But I think, I think Americans do have to recognize that, you know, you have family in Mexico and the U.S. You recognize history that goes back hundreds of years beyond the founding of America. For us, borders are sort of like divine institutions. <laughs> for you yeah. and for others who know history and have family on both sides, they're malleable. You know? yeah, These things are human right. and they're porous. They're, yeah. they're permeable membranes as a certain, in a, in a certain yeah. way. Yeah. And I think Americans have to recognize too that this is a defining moment for us because it isn't the case that the Protestant subculture defines us anymore. Secularization does. Yeah. And so at the very moment where after Vatican II, we're going through a crisis of identity in America, we're going through a secularization, the influx of Hispanic immigrants to me, I, I want to tell them, you're not immigrants, you're missionaries. You yeah. know, right. You bring yeah. a faith to us that is going to enable us to be renewed. Really? Yeah, that is powerful. And, and there's, there's differences, there's challenges, there's gifts, there's whole unique right. things that come in. Uh, and, and we really have almost a lot. We've only just begun to discuss what the gift is and also some of the challenges. Right. Uh, exactly. Because there are, there are differences. Um, stay with us on Franciscan University Presents as we look at some of the gifts and the challenges of Hispanic Catholics, particularly in light of the new evangelization. Stay with us. What the Latino community has to offer, uh, what I think of is specifically my grandma. My grandma is just a very humble woman from the mountains of Peru. She has such a simplicity of faith. She doesn't have the theology background that we have, 
but she's just so devout, so firm, and, and that is what I refer to whenever I, I look for a solid Catholic. Hispanic Catholics bring um, a lot of excitement to parish lives and wherever the parishes are um, throughout the country. And um, it's no lie that they bring their tradition, they bring their food, they bring their music, they bring their devotion to our Blessed Mother, and especially they bring um, their love of family. Family is a huge part of the Hispanic culture. And I know growing up and going to Spanish Mass, you don't just see a mom and a dad and their children. You see grandparents and you see aunts and uncles. And, and you really see this love for family that I think other non-Hispanic Catholics within the parish see and it really inspires them and it really helps you know build up the body of Christ. I'm Dan McNally, I'm a theology major here at Franciscan University. I love studying theology, it's my passion, but I mean I love learning too. You walk out of the classrooms, so you want to know more, you don't want the lecture to end, so I mean that's a really great thing about being a part of a student body is you can continue to discuss outside. It's not just studying to, to make a grade, it's, it's learning to you know improve yourself and not just through your own personal prayer or your own personal study but through community because that's what we're made for. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking about Hispanic Catholics in the new evangelization with Archbishop Gomez of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Um, Archbishop, if you could just open up for us, what are some of the challenges uh, we're facing, uh, primarily with the Hispanic Catholics? What are the main challenges they're facing here in the U.S.? Um, sure. Um, um, I guess the biggest challenge is, uh, is the uh, um, the reality of, uh, of secularization that exists in our country and how uh, for the new immigrants when they come to this country they're very strong in their faith but then little by little as they, uh, as they uh, uh, incorporate and integrate in the life of the country then that sense of secularity gets into them and then because they have everything right. uh, so right. there is not an immediate need of God. Right. Right. So that happened in a, one way or another to the different groups of immigrants, the Irish, the Italians, the Germans. They all assimilated into the culture yeah. that was... That's what I like to talk more about, enculturation, Incul more than, yes. than assimilation. Right. Mm. Because assimilation kind of uh, uh, implies that you lose your own identity right. in order to become uh, identified with the, the, the dominant culture. Uh, and inculturation, in my mind, uh, um, respects your culture, mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, uh, you are able to in to incorporate in the new culture that you are right. uh, entering. So you're both better, but it's, it's right. not simply dropping all of your your heritage, not dropping all of your faith, but really having a, a kind of a dialogue. If That's you correct. Will. That's correct. And, and but the challenge is not to lose your faith, yeah. right? Because yeah. once that you come here. Uh, you have your basic needs taken care of, and then God becomes secondary. Mm. Uh, and also here, because we are so centered in the individual, you gotta be successful. Right. And in order to yeah. be successful, right. uh, everything else is not really important. Your family, uh, your friends, and your faith. Yeah. Yeah. So and, we need to find a way to... And so we, we, we kind of established that early on in the, in the first segment, just how that is part of the normal culture. That is part of the, the Mexican and Latin American culture is, is centered around the family, even the extended family. Right. And, and we know that the American family is, is broken, that there's challenges, there's issues there, and they're slowly adopting that yeah. and, and losing their faith. That's you know, a huge one, challenge. One of the, the temptations, which I think Italians and Irish 
and German Catholics have succumbed to is to aspire to become an American uh, at the expense of what was distinctively Catholic or even distinctively ethnic. I, I, I think of the sad tale of so many Italians coming here and instantly forgetting the language of Dante. And right. then also the faith. I mean, that double whammy is not easily uh, recovered uh, from. And I wonder if, if Latino uh, Catholics uh, have that same temptation. They, they do. And it's happening as we speak. They, the second generation or the third generation, uh, they lose the, uh, the uh, language. Uh, um, and then together with that, they lose everything else. Uh, in, in, in the desire to become uh, assimilated to the, to yeah. the dominant culture. Yeah. That's happening as we, as we speak. I, I think we have maybe 20, 25, 30 years where we can still I make see. sure that there is an, uh, uh, an inculturation Keeping your values and right. at the same time being actively, uh, becoming an active participant in, in, in this country. It, it has to take place, I suspect, in a way that is not patronizing. In other words, right. we don't want to treat them as second class citizens, say, hey, you know, make sure you go back and gather your faith and bring it to the parish. There really is a sense in which we have to uh, empower them, recognize that, that they have something that is very valuable and welcome that and encourage it and, uh, and then figure out the best way to coordinate those gifts with the gifts of this culture too so that that enculturation really is bilateral. That's right. It's that's a two-way right. street. Yeah, and I think the, the, the main change happens uh, uh, when they go to college. Mm. Uh, oh, oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's when they, they, before that they are kind of protected by their families uh, and their environment, but then they go to, to the university, to college, and then they, they they see the uh, the uh, challenges that they have and the way of thinking of the American society, the, the traditional American yeah. society, that you have to be successful. And right. the first and most right. important thing is that you are successful right. in whatever you do. Yeah. And everything else is, is becomes a second Well, it's, class. it's a dangerous place, not just for Latino Catholics, right. but for, for anybody That's right. uh, to right. go to a university. <laughs> I mean, this shining hill, uh, I, I think, may be an exception, but... Uh, you, you yeah. said something during the break about the government in Mexico, and this is true elsewhere too, that, that corruption in the social order, but not just in the public sector, but also in the private sector. You know, I think in America, we prided ourselves, I mean, we recognize that we always had corrupt politicians, but that the private sector was relatively free of that kind of corruption. Right. The last few decades have sort of uh, cured us of that illusion, you know, and I, I can't help but wonder uh, how important it's going to be not only for Hispanic Catholics, but for all Catholics to create a culture rooted in extended family life. You know, I think in our mind, we tend to equate culture with the political system. Uh -huh. Whereas you had to have a culture that thrived Separate. quite distinct from yeah. Yeah. a corrupt revolutionary political system. And that's a skill set we're going to be in sore need of mastering soon. Right. Yeah. And there's a parallel between your experience and the experience of Polish. Catholicism uh, under, uh, you know, the heavy, uh, uh, you know, the, the fist of, of the communist uh, empire for so many years. And, and they somehow survived because the culture was vibrantly Catholic and it was, it was uh, indestructible, invulnerable uh, to these uh, attacks. From that's, that's what I, th I think that the, the, uh, the combination of uh, the, the values of, of the Catholic faith in Latin America or in countries like Poland 
coming here where there is a strong sense of uh, law and personal responsibility and a judicial system that works, mm -hmm. I think it is kind of the perfect combination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because if you put together the two things, then, then you have a society that cares about, uh, about uh, one another yeah. And, yeah. and the family and the extended family and society, the, this solidarity. Right, you know, right. right. Uh, There's both the justice and charity. Right. Yeah. The challenge yeah. is to be able to to uh, to uh, uh, teach it to the young generation, and that they can take it, and don't that they don't be they do not be uh, confused by secularism, right. I, by materialism, yeah. and relativism, and all of those. Issues that I, I want to go to one other point that, that, that troubles me is the inroads that some Protestants are having within the, the Hispanic Catholic population. We, we talked about the secularism. Yes. It, it seems to me, and you can correct me, that they're, they're having some substantial inroads. And how do we respond to that or, it, or what's happening, I guess, within that? Right. Well, I, yeah, I personally don't see it. Okay. You know, there is no doubt that, uh, that there are some aspects of our, our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters that are attractive to the Latinos because they feel more welcome. They don't have to register. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 uh, they form small communities. Those things are, uh, that's a community. That's right. So that's very attractive to the Latinos. But at least in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and the Archdiocese of San Antonio, when I was where I was before, we don't know what to do with so many people coming to church. Oh, so oh. Yeah, that's a good problem. But to you're have. pointing out something that I think has to be addressed in the larger frame, and that is, you know, when you're looking at Guatemala and Brazil and other countries in Central and yeah. South America. I mean, the, it isn't historic Protestantism that's coming in like a, a tidal wave. It's, it's Pentecostal and evangelical right. Christianity right. that has no ties to the Presbyterians as such or the Methodists, right. Right. but it's, it's much more of a, a kind of independent, non-denominational thing. And, and it doesn't necessarily go away just because you engage in the intellectual or the theological. It really is the sense of community that they foster that so draws so inviting. Yeah. But there are <clears throat> theological consequences quite clearly, you know, especially when it comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Holy Eucharist, they might use Our Lady of Guadalupe as bait on the hook That's to get them right. in, yeah. and then yeah. suddenly they discover an altogether Well, how do you cope with the argument that, that some evangelicals make, that Hispanics uh, find this charismatic Pentecostal alternative very appealing because it holds out the prospect of an intense personal relationship with Christ without this encumbering priestly mediation. <laughs> well, uh, 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 those things are also, in a sense, part of our, or the Catholic teaching, because there is yeah. a need for the yes. Bible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not averse to people making contact with Christ. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's our yeah. whole... That's what we're about. Yeah. And the yeah. Bible especially. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So the, the, that's important, and then the, the, the small community, yeah. Yeah, the Catholic Church started with the small community, Jesus and the yeah. apostles, yeah. so there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we Catholics need to be more, more aware of those basic things that are part yeah. of, the, uh, uh, of the Catholic faith, that we need to, to, to be more active yeah. in talking about it and forming small communities. You know, I, I had the blessing of being invited to the uh, Seen other bishops on the new evangelization this past uh, the, in the October in, in the October the, in October uh, what was it 2012, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was in, uh, for me surprising 
how the bishops of uh, South America and, and, uh, and most of the bishops of Africa and Asia, they all were talking about small communities. Mm -hmm. Now that was, was important for them in the new evangelization. Because that's essential for uh, 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 having that personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Yeah. That happens one-on-one, -on -one, you yeah. and Christ, and then it happens in a small community. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I think those aspects of... Uh, Can help uh, overcome and reach out. Exactly, really. yeah. Okay. But we do have to disabuse people of, of what we rightly acknowledge as a myth, that this encounter with Christ, this intimacy with right. Jesus can happen without sacrament. That's without church, without priestly uh, mediation. Absolutely, but for Latinos, for Hispanics, sacraments are essential. That's you right. know, you yeah. the, the, it's, a, it's a part of your, your spirituality and part of your community life. You, you, know, you celebrate every single baptism, First Holy Communion. And there's a big right. celebration. Big celebration. Right. Right. And then, you know, you have to spend money, you do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> money that you don't have. <laughs> and, and, and if you could speak a little bit to even just what Our Lady of Guadalupe means and how that right. fits into kind of Hispanic ministry. I mean, that well, seems like a, a key. A, absolutely. Uh, there's a, a great devotion of, uh, to Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, among all the Hispanics and Latinos uh, uh, because Our Lady of Guadalupe was a very important participant in the first evangelization. Right. She's the one that really m made a change yes. and, and helped people to understand the, the importance of uh, faith and the relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I, th I think that's essential for the present and future of, uh, of, uh, of the church in America. Uh, well, she's patroness of, of the Americas. She and uh, I, I think a, a lot of North American Catholics have lost sight of that, uh, this maternal mediation, uh, which is so uh, indispensable. Absolutely. We had a, a celebration in, uh, last, uh, in the summer of 2012 uh, for Our Lady of Guadalupe, together with the Knights of Columbus. Uh, 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 it was a Guadalupe festival oh, wow. in Los Angeles, and we had 80,000 people coming wow. at, the, uh, at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. So oh. it was a big now that's a See, real that event. aspect, I mean, on oh. the one hand, small communities. On the other hand, big celebrations. Right. That's right. right. I remember right. years ago coming into the church and reading Dr. Warren Carroll on Our Lady of Guadalupe and realizing that precisely when most of my ancestors were leaving the church, eight to 10 million Protestants, you know, back in the 1520s and 30s, in that same moment of history, Our Lady was bringing right. eight to 10 right. million, not just baptized, but catechized, and the humblest and the poorest of the poor were discovering the riches of the yeah. faith through that miracle. Yeah. And I mean, we, we need to go back to the wellspring and <laughs> renew that. Well, that, that's what's so striking about, about the experience of Guadalupe, especially for an American who goes down there. My wife and I uh, were mm. able to visit uh, some oh, years back. Mm. What, 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 what struck me was here is the church of the poor, uh, and Mary is their mother, and in the lap. Of, of her maternal solicitude. She welcomes all of these people. These are her children. Right. Another salient fact was that there aren't very many Americans who go to Guadalupe, and yet she is our patroness as well. Yeah, yeah and it's a powerful thing when you realize, I, I believe she's either the patroness of the new evangelization or, or the star of the, star new, of the new evangelization. evangelization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just because she took on the culture, she took um, That's Christ and incarnated him to uh, the, the, the Mexican people. And I think that's what the new evangelization really is calling us. Yes, to. and a beautiful and extraordinary identity between Our Lady Guadalupe and the needs and the way of doing things and being of the American uh, culture, mm. the yeah. whole American continent. 
Um, so I, I think it is, uh, it is, she is the start of the new evangelization and, uh, and for all of us, uh, she is uh, 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 our intercessor and she's gonna take us to Jesus. So Amen. Yeah, I think it's Amen. beautiful. Stay with us on Franciscan University Presents. One tradition that we had in our family was, um, and in most Hispanic families, is the votive candle that um, usually has the, the image of Our Lady or another saint on the front. And what it is is that when somebody has a prayer or supplication that they need to take either to Our Lord or to Our Lady, they light the candle and it burns all day throughout the house so that like, just like in the churches, the prayer is continually in front of Our Lady. Every aspect of work that I do in the day is, is, is offered up to God. And, and, um, and I know that I'm an imitation of my father my father's father, and that just, that, that gives me a rich, rich lineage right there. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. Uh, we've been talking about Catholic Hispanics and the new evangelization um, with Archbishop Gomez. Uh, I wanted to let you know this entire program springs forth from the very heart of Franciscan University. Uh, the studio we're taping in is right here in uh, Franciscan University's campus. Uh, the camera and the equipment are being operated by our students, um, our panelists, our theology professors here at the university. Uh, it's an exciting program that we have had for many, many years here uh, at Franciscan University. Uh, Archbishop, we've been talking about Hispanic Catholics, some of the challenges, some of the new gifts that they bring. Uh, in 2007, you founded the Catholic Association of Latino Leaders. Uh, and what do you tell Latino leaders about their role in the church and the world? Sure. Um, well, uh, first of all, uh, let me just uh, um, talk a little bit about the history of the yes. association. Uh, we st I started the association together with Archbishop Chapu. Yes. When we were in Denver, he was the Archbishop and I was the Auxiliary Bishop of Denver. And we realized that there was, there was a need to reach out to, to successful Latinos, professionals uh, uh, in education, in, uh, in the business world, in, uh, in different aspects of society. So um, because the numbers of Latinos that we have in our country and also the, the, uh, the, the challenges that they have as they become successful uh, going to uh, college and having so many challenges and, and being in a culture that is asking them to, as I said before, to concentrate on the individual. Right. Um, so um, what we try to tell them is that, that, first of all, that they are important for, for the church and that they should not forget or neglect their Catholic faith. And I, I think they are just waiting for that mm -hmm. because we are getting more and more members all over the country. The idea is to have chapters in every, every city, every import, uh, big city in, the, in our country especially. Uh, but little by little to reach out to all of them mm. that they can, they can uh, uh, know their faith better Hmm. and then they will be able to make an influence in our society with the, the values of our faith. Wow. And they are really excited about it because they, they, they never thought that they, that's possible to right. be able to be a successful uh, uh, 
business person and a su successful um, member of, uh, of uh, um, teaching in a university or in different places or in, in the government or whatever they are. Uh, and now they are discovering that, that my faith, which is the foundation of my life, can be practiced and live in, in, in the society in which I'm acting every day. Mm. Mm. Uh, in their families, in the so work, important. in the neighborhoods. So I, I think that's what is calling their attention. And, and as I said, the association is growing little by little. Wow, that is wonderful because they need the help, the support, the challenge, the inspiration, the mentoring that probably happens through right. all those associations. That's great. That's great. And, and, and do you see them uh, responding to the call of the new evangelization? Do you see, and, and, and how does that, what does that look like in the Latino community? Well, uh, the big challenge is, is education in the faith. Mm -hmm. the, Problem that we have in 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 the church, the universal church, is that people do not uh, know well the teachings of the church, and, and they or they have the sense that they know enough to to get by. But I think we all know that it is important to always grow in the knowledge uh, of our faith. Right. So as as soon as they are learning about the social teachings of the church, about the uh, the doctrinal issues about why we do the things that we do. Right. No, it's not just what you did when you were little because your parents took you to church, but right. because it's your, your, your human nature and your relationship with God. Right. And when they learn about the, the beauty of the teachings of the church, then they get really excited and, and practice the church in their life. That's powerful. Uh, their, That's powerful. their faith. When you think about defending traditional family, Back in early 2013, there was this march for marriage, and there was a lot of Hispanics that came, standing up for, for marriage and family. Um, how do you think Hispanics can help lead uh, in supporting and defending uh, the family? Uh, that's a big challenge, because the, 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 uh, the problem that we have in our country with Latinos is that for them, the first and most important issue is immigration. Because we all have relatives that, that are in a difficult immigration situation. Uh, so for us, that's the first and most important thing. Uh, uh, then at the same time, we understand the values of, uh, of uh, life, marriage, uh, uh, taking care of the elderly, those basic things that are part of our, of our public square debate. But it's difficult to integrate them into that when the first and most important issue is not solved. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think they have those values, and, and they need to see that they can participate. That's another challenge that Latinos have, because we were talking about the separation of church and state. Yeah. So in, in, in Latin American countries and, and even in the Asian countries, they don't understand that they can actively participate in, in, in the life of, or in the public square, uh, uh, because they think, well, you know, that's, another, that's not up to me. It is. So I think education in the faith and education and integration in our society is essential. And they are willing to participate. We just need to incorporate them in what... Uh, you know, that educational formation, I think, is a critical component because, you know, again, I don't know the social history well enough to say, but my general sense is that if you look at Mexico or other countries, since the 1800s, the government has not supported an educational system right. that Im imparts the faith with any integrity or, or strength, and so, you know, when they're coming into our culture and making it theirs, you know, the, the process is going to have to have, it's gonna to have to include 
this educational component. And not just in catechesis, although that might be the single most indispensable element to be formed in scripture tradition, you know, in terms of the, the catechism, but just thinking Catholic with their social responsibility, their mm -hmm. spiritual leadership. You know, once the immigration issues are settled, what difference will that make? Will they have, you know, yeah. and, and I can't help but wonder that with our freedom in the U.S., whether this might be one of those really important areas where we've got to seize the moment and take advantage of the opportunities to provide education that say the Revolutionary Party might not have supported, you know, 70 yeah. or 80 years ago. Uh, and I, I, you know, don't wait around so for it. But it's, it, it is, I think, an absolutely historic moment, even no. a kind of kairos. I mean, you could argue that what we've got is the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and he's not leaving, uh, a kind right. of he's juggernaut, <laughs> and uh, it's inevitable. We have to somehow come to terms with this. And it does seem to me that as Catholics, it's easier to extend uh, uh, this, this hospitality to evince a certain largeness of spirit, a generosity of soul, and welcome the stranger as a brother. Because, because then we encounter Jesus in his most right. doleful disguise. I mean, wasn't he a migrant? Uh, he was forced out of his own native land, he and his family, uh, uh, in exile in Egypt because of some corrupt government. Uh, and, and I think uh, the parallels are, are instructive uh, and, and striking. They need to be exploited, I, I think, in a way that can help both sides of the border. We need these Absolutely. people. They're alive, they're vibrant, and, and they bring a future. Yeah. And a lot of us are, are old and, and uh, effete. Uh, eviscerated, uh, and I think new blood can replenish uh, this republic. But I, I, we were talking about Pope Francis at, at the beginning of the show, and uh, and I think that's why his uh, election is is a great blessing mm. uh, because the influence on the Latinos, and also because as we have seen, he's calling us, he's challenging us to go out of the box in a sense, right. yeah. to evangelize people, yeah. and don't get comfortable in our own way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and for the church in this country, uh, in, our, in, in our country, I think it's important to feel that and understand, hey, I go to church, I pray, I take care of my own spirituality, but at the same time, I have the, the Christian duty to go out, right. reach out to the people That's that right. are coming. Smell like your sheep as a, you yeah. know, get out yeah. and be with the people. Well, if, if, we, if we could skip to uh, uh, evangelizing Hispanics, what would be the right way to reach out? There's Hispanic ministry. Should it target and focus on uh, evangelizing Hispanics, or is it something that is better to be done as, hey, we're evangelizing all peoples and we, we open to, wh which is the better approach uh, when reaching out to Hispanics? Uh, I, I think it's, it's just evangelizing everybody. Okay, okay. <laughs> And forming communities that are, are of different cultures. Yes. That's what we have in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. In the Archdiocese, we have mass in 42 languages. Wow. Really? 42. Wow. 42 languages. I didn't know there were that many. Ah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you are the largest archdiocese. That's Pentecost. That's, that's, yeah. That is Pentecost. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, but there are no any more uh, uh, national churches, as we used to call yes. them. Yeah. Yes. Everybody is together. Yes. So there, is, there, are, there are parishes that have mass in, in different languages, but uh, everybody is together. I think it's important for all of us to be the universal church. And that goes back to your enculturation, where this right. isn't an assimilation, but this is an enculturation, so we're all together as one family of faith. It's not separated by language. That doesn't take away that the masses may be bilingual or trilingual right. or yeah. <laughs> you know, something that just 
that everybody feels um, welcome. I mean, the, the synthetic point is the same, despite the so-called babble of languages. What you're trying to catalyze is an authentic encounter with Jesus Christ in the context of, of the church, particularly in the Mass, the Eucharist, which was the point you made in that wonderful piece that appeared in America Magazine. We evangelize the Eucharist. You know, Pope Francis is the one who embodies this kairos, this yeah. unique moment in salvation history. Because, you know, while I had a singular love for Pope Emeritus Benedict, you know, going back a quarter of a century, even before I became a Catholic, I just devoured his writings. But, you know, you don't need erudition to be the successor to Peter. And though he was uniquely erudite, this man embodies right. not only the universal faith for all Catholics, but the Hispanic faith as well. And you know, I, I can't help but thank God for all of the fruits from World Youth Day in Brazil, next door neighbor to Argentina, and all of those, you know, those exciting graces. But I also think that in the years to come, we're gonna continue to see not just enculturation and evangelizing going on in theory and conversation, but embodied. And I think just as we had a John Paul generation of, of seminarians and priests, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if in the next 10 or 15 years, we see, you know, maybe not scholars first and foremost, but seminarians and pastors who are going to be Pope Francis seminarians and priests as well, who want to smell like the sheep, but at the same time feed them yeah. and care for them and, yeah. and defend them. Yeah. We need the evangelists for the new evangelization who are witnessing oh God, with their exactly. lives. It's hard to refute the story you share. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. And when you have the witness to be able to share that, and so uh, yeah. I, I'm just, it's just so wonderful to hear. You don't want to separate the people, although you recognize there's different cultures and there's different respect uh, that might come with having a Spanish mass or a bilingual mass or things, but you, you, you want to treat all, all baptized or all, all people want to be evangelized. I, I was uh, much impressed by a, a recent homily by Pope Francis, uh, which, which argued along uh, eminently Pauline lines that we have a choice. Uh, either we build walls that keep people at bay, especially right. the stranger who would like to become a neighbor, a brother, or we build bridges. And Paul, I, I think, uh, we celebrate uh, as a bridge builder, the real Pontifex Maximus. Hmm. I mean, the bridge is, is I think, a testimony to a certain confidence, a certitude of faith. I know Jesus and he's come to me and he wants me to somehow export him to others, to open up, to be expansive, and, and not to hide this faith under a bushel basket. I mean, walls uh, in, sort of conceal that faith right. and, and they suggest a certain neurosis, a certain fear, a defensiveness, but a bridge is wide open and you invite traffic to move in both directions. Mm. Absolutely, we live in a global society. Yep. I mean, there's no other option. That's right. <laughs> That's right. In our last few seconds, is there any things that we should do in a parish level in reaching out to Hispanics? Uh, I, I think it's important to, to create that sense of community, mm. that, that there is no real um, um, faith difference, that we all have the same beliefs. Uh, just reaching out, uh, uh, like uh, um, in a practical way, inviting Latinos to be part of the parish council, yes. you know, to yeah. say something. Yeah, yeah. That's important, uh, and, um, and and the participation in 
in, in the different events that are organized by different groups in the parish, the Knights of Colombo. So Just to invite them in to be a part yeah. of the community. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, th I think it's important to that, that, that um, there is a relationship. The more that we know each other, the more that right. we can love each other. Right, yeah. That's right. great. Uh, you won't want to miss the last segment of Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Ten misericordia de nosotros. And it's saying, Lord, have mercy on us. And I love this line because it's asking, it's placing yourself before the Lord and asking for his mercy and having that humility. And I think the Hispanic people are very humble people. My name is Joseph Frelich. I'm a chemistry major, biology minor here at Franciscan University. I love the atmosphere, just completely centered around the Catholic faith. When I play soccer, when I'm in classes, everything is, has that same Catholic attitude. Myself and a few other chemistry majors have the opportunity to work with top scientists in order to combat neglected diseases. I was able to connect my love for chemistry and also my love for mission work by synthesizing chemical compounds. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Welcome to the final segment of Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking about Hispanic Catholics and the new evangelization. Uh, Regis, could you start us off with some uh, highlights and summary? <laughs> well, I'll try to keep it brief because I know there's a lot that needs to be said. Uh, but first, uh, thank you very much, uh, Archbishop, for coming. It's, uh, it's a huge blessing to have you and uh, a singular delight. And uh, we're much edified by your presence. I hope Los Angeles can survive your absence uh, for a few days. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, one, one point uh, I, I think needs to be uh, 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 stressed, that there are differences between Latin and uh, Yankee Catholics, but the differences are accidental. They don't go to the heart of the matter. Somebody said that a, a Latin Catholic is more likely to dance uh, during the liturgy than fall asleep. <laughs> uh, and, and that seems to me a, a blessing. That's to be encouraged. Uh, Yankees don't dance, but <laughs> Latins do. And I think that's part of, the, that's part of their mode of being uh, Latino, and, and that should be uh, encouraged. Uh, but the essentials uh, are, are the same. They're, they're unalterable. And, and when, when you were asked what makes uh, Hispanic ministry uh, distinctive, you said something that could instantly be universalized to any other ministry. Try to bring them to Jesus Christ. Uh, make it possible uh, to uh, allow the encounter with grace mm. to happen. And that's really the work of the Holy Spirit. Your task right. is fairly modest. You, you just midwife uh, that moment when the Holy Spirit steps in and galvanizes these people. And, and that's uh, applicable to anybody. We're all children of the same Father. And uh, the church, I, I think, you know, we need to somehow communicate uh, her indispensable importance in the whole economy of, of salvation. I mean, she's the window you know, through which we are invited to see the world, to see the countenance of Christ, but also a kind of high road that takes us safely to the kingdom. And that point, I think, hasn't been stressed enough, and I'm so uh, grateful that we've got you in L.A. Uh, to make the case, to make the argument so winningly, and in a, in a Hispanic uh, idiom. Yeah. 
So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Regis. Scott? Well, I'm grateful for you coming and for your ministry and also for the way that the balance has been struck between the challenge that Hispanic Catholics have in the new evangelization, but also the opportunity that this represents for us. You know, I was, uh, I was reflecting upon this really a lot over the last few years, deliberately kind of building bridges of friendship with, uh, with students and with colleagues. Uh, I have a friend in Guadalajara, Rafael, and we've been talking on the phone almost every week uh, working on how we can collaborate in the new evangelization. And one conversation we had recently was, you know, how the gringos and the Latinos need to come together because, you know, so often up north we have an intellectualized faith. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Education, Georgetown, Mark, you know, all of the, and, and then the, besides the head, there's the heart. And I, I find that people who are profound often lack passion, whereas the people who are passionate often don't move into the profound depths of what generates the passion, but when you can coordinate these two, I mean, the mysteries of faith are profound, but there is nothing more capable of generating passion yeah. than the beauty of the truth of what it means to be children of God. Mm -hmm. And not only children of God the Father, but children of Mother Mary, Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I think if we can do it right, this feedback loop, this is what Rafi and I are talking about. I'm going down to Guadalupe next year and meet, you know, meeting him in Guadalajara, and we're gonna try to figure out ways to kind of do it so that it's mutually reinforcing, that the truth is so exciting that you just wanna open up the heart, you know, the, the light of truth and the fire of love. Uh, I think this is going to have to be a, a, an important part of the opportunity that uh, enables us to really face the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming and your contribution yeah. again. Archbishop. Uh, first of all, thank you for the invitation to uh, participate in your program. Uh, I think it is great that uh, we are talking about the, uh, the uh, presence and importance of Latinos in the church. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think what I wanna say is that it is an exciting, exciting time for the church in our country. Um, it's a new time. Uh, it's the time of the new evangelization. Uh, is the time of uh, the, the first uh, um, American Pope. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think it is, it is a, a great moment for all of us. And I, I, um, I, I'm very enthusiastic about uh, the future because I see that uh, the um, relationship between the different cultures uh, is gonna make the church stronger. As I said in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, we have a large number of uh, uh, Hispanics, Filipinos, um, Vietnamese, Koreans, um, 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 Native Americans, every single um, culture is present there. And you see the vibrancy of the church. Mm. Every single parish is packed with people and people are very active in, in living their, their faith. So I think it is, a, it is a great moment of the new evangelization. And uh, I think we continue working together and understanding each other and most importantly, knowing our faith better, with a real education in our faith, uh, and knowing uh, uh, and loving Jesus Christ more, then it's gonna be a, a, a moment of grace for all of us in our country and in the church in this country. And we know the influence of the church in the United States all over the world, so I think it is important. It's a, an exciting time in the life of the church. 
I couldn't agree with you more. It is really exciting. It was such a delight to have you here. Thank you again for coming. Um, if you've enjoyed today's conversation um, about Hispanic Catholics and the new evangelization, we have a, a free handout here for you. It's a, um, uh, it'll be available at faithandreason.com uh, for a download or just for calling. Uh, it's the Archbishop's kind of analysis of Hispanic Catholics. It's a great interview uh, that you really can gain some even greater insight than what we were able to share uh, fully today. Um, when we think about Hispanic Catholics, some of us have different uh, images in our minds. Some of you may have different uh, presumptions or, or false assumptions. And what I think we just need to do is step out of ourselves and invite uh, all of our, our friends, all of our neighbors, all of our parishioners into our lives and, and make those invitations, as the Archbishop said, whether it be to parish council, to different uh, evangelization opportunities, uh, not see any, any walls of separation, but an opportunity to bring people together so that we can uh, launch the new evangelization together. Uh, our Holy Father, uh, Blessed John Paul II, uh, launched the call for the new evangelization in the Latin Americas. It's as if we're beginning again with something new, but it's it's building on the great traditions we already have. Um, and we have a, a one and the same, both uh, Our Lord and Our Lady. Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe is such a source of grace for us and for uh, all of the, the Latinos uh, throughout our, our country. Um, Franciscan University Presents uh, is part of the mission of Franciscan University. What we do here is uh, forming the students who are transforming the world. And I want to invite you to be a part of our mission here at the university, possibly by getting your degree here on campus or through our distance learning program. Join us at one of our summer conferences or one of our pilgrimages to holy shrines and sites like uh, Guadalupe. Um, there are so many things that you could be a part of. You can join us at faithandreason.com where there are videos and talks from um, our guests here and other lectures. Um, this is something that's too important for you not to be engaged in the new evangelization. So be equipped, be inspired, and go forth. Um, Archbishop, uh, thank you for being on the program. Could you close us with a breath blessing? Sure. Uh, may Almighty God bless each one of you and your families uh, uh, to the intercession of our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Guadalupe, and may He also bless your apostolic mission that we uh, be, become active participants in the new evangelization. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. To download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithandreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents, or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381, or call 740 283-6357.